This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. And good morning, good afternoon, wherever you happen to be in this lovely Sunday, at least here, pretty lovely in L.A., I got to tell you that. Now, we had a lot of overcast here in L.A., so you know, it's, it's great when you wake up in the morning and it's already, the skies are completely blue, there's no fog to burn off, and uh, that's kind of uh, the kind of day it is today. I'm Dr. Jeff Weber, your host for the next 30 minutes here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. The key there is ask the vets. We want to hear from you. So I'm going to give you a couple of ways to do that. Number one. Give us a phone call, toll-free, 877-385-8882. Once again, 877-385-8882. Another way is to join us here on Zoom. I kind of like this way better because I get to see you and I get to see your pet. More importantly, no offense. So uh, what you do is you want to go on to PetLifeRadio.com. You click on Shows. You scroll. You find Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. You click on that. That's me. And there is a Zoom link left for you there. All you got to do is click on it. It's that easy. So, uh, and then hopefully you'll have your pet on your lap with you, whatever. Anyway, great way to communicate. But because I know many of you are shy, or maybe you happen to be in the car listening and you can't pull over and join us here live, or you're watching the podcast after the fact, so you can't call in live, that's all good too. Really, it is. We want to help you out. So, and of all the times to have a, a live radio show this week, in their infinite wisdom, the city has decided to do tree trimming. So the noise you hear in the background are these huge, monstrous trucks out here tree trimming and had to move our cars and all that. So anyway, just so you know, if, if it's if it's getting in the way. Anyway, you know, one thing I've learned from being involved in an air vet, my telemedicine platform, and the pandemic is, you know, they, the expression goes, you know. Pictures worth a thousand words, a live video. Oh my God, that's a hundred thousand words. That's why I can never understand these platforms that you, you're talking to, you're chatting with somebody or you're talking to on a phone. Most pet parents can't really describe something accurately enough to help the doctor. A limp. Well, I mean, come on, give me, tell me more about the limp. Well, they don't know. They don't even get the leg right. You know, it's, uh, how many times a dog comes in, they say, oh, he's limping on his left front, and I'm watching him. It's the right front because they don't, it's hard for owners to know that. So um, that's why the picture is great, video is even better. So uh, when you can join us here live, that is the best way to do it. So anyway, as you know, I like to peruse the news, what's happening in the veterinary world to help you. Uh, of course, if you want to chime in at any time with a question, with a concern, now is the time to do it. And uh, so... You know, basically, one of the things that I wanted to talk about is the there was a, a story that really bothered me, bird mortality. Now, if, if those of you who are into avians and to birds we would appreciate this. But um, in the south and the Midwest, there are six states where their birds are dying at an unusually high level. And um, no one really knows exactly what it is. So there you'll see unusual behavior, crust, swollen eyes, difficulty with balance, apparent neurological issues. And so because we don't know what it is, and as we know, and I'll talk a story a little later on about how many diseases that we see now in people are actually zoonotic. They came from animals. And so we don't know what anything about this bird disease. All we know, birds are dying. People are finding them. There's strange behavior before. So if you see it, 
Do not touch these birds. Call your local um, Department of Animal Regulation. Call the authorities, but you don't want to mess with these birds. And to avoid contact, also, your bird feeders, keep them really clean. We keep uh, your bird baths, if you have any of those on your property, clean, because we just don't know what's going on and what's causing it. Now, this is interesting because the study came in today, and um, we don't really have this particular disease, at least not in numbers, but we're filling out a health certificate for one of my patients going to Uruguay. And they wanted a particular test for something called leishmaniasis, leishmania. And it's a parasite that's um, endemic, basically, in only very few parts of our country. And um, they wanted testing. And many of the labs don't even do the testing. They have to send them out to Kansas State University, or there is another lab locally here in LA that does it, but it takes four or five days. This person was traveling the next day. So yeah, but anyway, it's a leishmaniasis carried by rodents and something called their sand flies, not sand fleas, sand flies, about 70,000 human deaths across the world per year. So it's something to at least be concerned about and oftentimes unrecognized here in the US. So we do see it in some states, but it's not a big problem. But whenever we have something in certain parts of the country that we see is growing, trust me, it is going to grow more. It's going to grow elsewhere as well. And uh, that's about my perfect example, heartworm. Here in California, for example, we never really had a heartworm problem. And uh, I mean, certainly not in Los Angeles. I'm obviously up in the Sierras. Yes, there are more mosquitoes. We just don't have mosquitoes in our dry climate. Well, guess what? There is a mosquito that is now thriving in our climate. And therefore, what's happening is we are going to start seeing heartworm in our areas as well. So when you hear of a disease like this leishmaniasis that eh, it's not a big deal now, but guess what? Guess what? It could be a big deal. So we need to know that as well. Now, this is also a very sad story. When you hear stuff like this, it's going to make you like very upset. I would say peed off, but I shouldn't say that on the radio, but I said it anyway. This is a four feral cats in San Francisco have been seen in hospitals with almost exactly the same condition, and that is limb injuries and two lost legs as a result of it, and two others remaining injured and being treated. And here's the scary part. Officials believe because of the exact nature and unusual nature of these injuries that someone, they believe, officially, if someone's unfortunately hurting these cats, purposely hurting these cats. For what reason? I don't know. Are they feral? Are they you know, leaving presents in the backyard? Who knows? But that is really terrible thing to do. So um, anyway, just very sad. I mean, it kind of makes you sick. It makes me sick that someone would do that to an animal, but they do. Let's see. Next up. Oh. Australia has a new problem, a new pest problem, and it's not kangaroos. No, because, <laughs> you, know, you know, it's funny. Years ago, uh, we, you know, we talked about these novel protein diets, and um, you can put one out called Response KO. KO. What was the KO? KO was kangaroo and oats, and Australians loved it because they apparently in many parts of Australia anyway kangaroos have become a real nuisance they're multiplying rapidly and the fact that they're using them as an, a novel protein in dog food made them happy whereas here in the states oh my god cuz they let's face it kangaroos are pretty cute but we don't have to deal with them so it really upset a lot of people and uh, long story short the uh, you can have to stop making ko so they they have all sorts of other good ones but kangaroo notes out of there so anyway the problem now is that the worst mouse plague that they've ever seen. Basically, excessive rain and abundant food has been the key for these mice to thrive. And um, they are destroying crops. They are nuisances. And unfortunately, oh, and they also carry a lot of diseases. So uh, diseases that can affect humans. We call again, back to this, back to zoonotic diseases, diseases that can affect people. 
So um, anyway, just one of those things where you just have to know that it is a problem. And uh, oh God, crazy, crazy stuff. So anyway, yes, rodents can transmit diseases. In fact, you know, it's so weird because, you know, we always talk about like in cold weather, certainly not what we're dealing with right now. But I always say that cats that are sort of indoor-outdoor cats find refuge from the cold in a car, under a car hood, because the engine block stays cold for a while. I mean, it stays warm for a while and it protects these cats from the cold. And unfortunately, cats fall asleep on the engine block and it is nice and warm and cozy in there. And all of a sudden in the morning, you come out to start your car and I needn't say what could get caught in the fan belt and the fan, right? It's horrendous, horrendous. And it happens. And I always tell people, if you live in an area and you are, it's snowing and it's cold and you'll go out in the morning and you're going to start your car, give a couple of bangs on that hood, wake that poor kitty up, let him take off before you start your car. So anyway, my, uh, my daughter was, um, her car was being fixed so they gave her a rent a car because, you know, all these new cars, their lights turn off automatically, but this was an older one. It didn't. She didn't realize that she forgot to turn it off because she's not used to having to turn lights off because they usually turn off by themselves. And so she goes in the house next morning, goes out to park the car. I'll start the car. Battery is dead. So I go over to try to help jumpstart the car and I lift open the hood and we're not talking cold weather here. And there's a rat right under the hood. Saw me and just took a beeline. So uh, anyway, they scared the you know what out of me. So yeah, we got to be careful about these rodents. Now, this is also interesting. And I guess it's, it's happened in some states. And of course, California is one of them because California has a high rate of this. And that is divorce laws now are being changed to consider a pet's best interest. They are not treating, they're basing their now laws. You're going to decide pet ownership during a divorce. And they're changing in some states, of course, California, Alaska, Illinois. And um, so what's happening is they're now starting to treat the pets more like kids as far as visitation rights, as far as, you know, all the who's going to get how, how you're going to divide them up. If it, I mean, hey, it's great because I mean, I've been through many of these with my clients over the years and it's a big issue what's going to happen with the dogs and who's getting the dog and who came into the marriage with this pet or they get it together. I mean, all these things. So it's something you have to know. So uh, anyway, they're going to have now because pets are not just property, they're like kids. They're having things like, you've heard of prenups? Well, this is a petnup. They're going to have actually a contract prior to getting into the marriage about what would happen if. And also, uh, there are going to be special mediators trained in this. And uh, so this is all stuff that's becoming more common. And I, look, it's terrible that we have to deal with this. But the fact that it is becoming so unfortunately commonplace that this is why they are having now rules and regulations and laws uh, specifically for this problem. So now, as I teased about zoonotic diseases, people don't always know, you know what a zoonotic disease is. Well, many of the diseases we're dealing with, I mean, here's another one. How about COVID-19, where they say they feel started from a mutation from a bat? So it is crazy. So anyway, here's the, uh, the scary fact. Three quarters of novel or emerging infectious diseases in humans are zoonotic which means three quarters of these rare diseases, strange diseases, emerging diseases actually started as animal diseases. So the international wildlife trade, all right, estimated to be a $10 billion a year market, all right, is probably a major source of a lot of these diseases. These animals are coming in illegally. It's a huge, huge problem. It's a big moneymaker for those doing it. And the problem is, is that there's no testing. There's nothing in place to know 
when these animals are being tested, unlike the story I told you about the Uruguay and the, the Leishmaniasis. So we know they will not let them in the country. So when you're doing it legally, there are tests knowing which disease they're worried about, where the animals are coming from. And I mean, some countries require uh, rabies titers, not just to say, yes, I got the vaccine, but actually a titer to prove that the vaccine is working. So it's huge. So um, anyway, they're talking about, as we know, this one health approach. And uh, that is, it's going to count basically not just for humans, but it's human animal ecosystem interface. And it's a solution to getting a lot of these problems solved. But of course, we need to get people on board that are going to allow and agree to um, have these pets um, done. And then also, this is really cool before we go on a break. And um, it's the first complete ankle replacement, a limb replacement in a dog done at the University of Florida. Dog's name was Leo. He was a seven-year-old Labrador who had such severe arthritis and disease, he couldn't use his ankle, his hock at all. And they ended up doing a, uh, a replacement with a prosthetic device. And um, they're only, this is really what I found is cool. It was done by Dr. Stanley Kim at University of Florida, who's only one of 12 veterinarians in the world. Catch this, 12 vets in the world that are able to uh, do this procedure, are trained to do it. And uh, I think that's a pretty, pretty cool. So don't go away. We're back after these short words here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. And um, don't go away. So, you know, I'm always perusing what's going on in the pet world, and I attend all the pet conferences. I came across a company I really like called Carlson Pet Products. It's family-owned, very affordable stuff, and they specialize in creating pet safety products to keep your pets, you know, happily protected from the puppy stage all the way through their senior years. And they have tons of products. They have pet pens and folded elevated pet beds. They have crates, pet gates, etc. And um, I love their portable pen. First of all, they're very lightweight. You can fold them up. They have a little carry bag for storing. So they're really so convenient for you to use. You can use them for at home. You can use them for traveling. Or let's say you're just heading someplace down the street and you want to keep them protected. I think it's great. So the pet pens come in two sizes. You have a six panel and an eight panel. And so basically you get ample room to explore. And you can add also an attachable canopy. So it creates like a shaded area to protect them from the sun. So for more information, you can visit them at carlsonpetproducts.com. You'll get 25% off the order plus free shipping. If you use the promo code PETLIFE, that's P-E-T-L-I-F-E. You're going to love them. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. And welcome back here live with Dr. Jeff Werber. So one thing that's also really cool, you know, we've learned so much about animals. We know about dogs. We know how their noses are unbelievable. Like, for example, we have 5 million nasal receptors in our noses, okay? And so we pick up smells, molecules, all right? Dogs have about 200 to 250 million. That means 4 to 50 times what we have. And that is unbelievable when you think about it. So, you know, they've already, in fact, there was a story about a, uh, you know, they're using dogs now in, before buildings, hospitals, sports arenas to not see, to be able to separate to scent out uh, COVID-19. And, and there was one case where the dog said yes. There was a test that said no. The dog was sure. So they did a retest and the retest came back positive. So, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing. So anyway, here's what that a dog's nose, what they can smell. There's an invasive species of flies called the spotted lantern fly. And they are big crop nuisances. They're all over the place. They have mean bites. They affect animals. Spotted lantern fly. Well, 
now dogs have been able to pick up the scent of their eggs and they lay eggs in tons of eggs at once. So like we're talking thousands and thousands and uh, their dogs have been able to, they train dogs to be able to pick up the scent. And uh, I mean, that's, I mean, really that's amazing. So that's really cool. So um, of course, a week away from, from 4th of July, hoping that you guys are going to be safe. We talked last week, just some, you know, some key reminders would be to, you know, keep your pets in a separate room, put music on. They love classical music, put dog TV on. Dog TV is great. There are programming specifically for dogs that'll keep them occupied and um, make sure they have their ID in case they bolt. Uh, as far as foods, uh, the barbecue, with the barbecue itself, make sure they don't jump up on it. Any fatty foods, bones, stay away from those. Alcohol, stay away from that. Corn cobs, remember corn cobs, it's a huge problem. So you want to keep those away from your pets as well. And there are some talk to your veterinarian if you need some pharmacological help to take care of your dogs during the uh, fireworks, speak to your vet. There are a lot of good things. I prefer any natural remedy solution first, which are going to be some of the herbs which are known to be natural, uh, valerian, passionflower, chamomile. You also have these vests like Calms and Thundershirt. The Calms vest is great. It actually plays classical music with the device that they were on the back and, and delivers impulses right at the pressure point for calmness, for calming. So that is really, really cool. CBD, the word is out. That yes, CBD, if it's legal in your state, California now is allowing, if it has to be 100% industrially based hemp CBD, but if it is, then that is uh, acceptable as well. That also has a nice calming effect. So um, just keep those things in mind and uh, you can have a safe 4th of July. But one thing I'm getting a lot, in fact, tomorrow morning, I'm doing uh, an e-entertainment show. Uh, it's their morning show and um, early morning, I'm going to be at studio at, uh, at 6.45. Uh, I think I go live at 7.30. Anyway, it might be 8.30. I mean, it's, it's early. Oh, and even though I'm negative and I've been negative, COVID negative, I've been vaccinated, I have to go even earlier because you, they have to test you. They do a rapid antigen test and a PCR. They are being, NBC Universal is being so overly cautious for good reason. So they are allowing people in live. So I'm going in live with Harry. Harry's one of my dogs. But one of the subject things we're going to talk about which will be very interesting is how difficult it is going to be for your pets to get back to work. And it is really something that we have to think about. And even dogs that were allowed to go to work, and you know, many of you I know probably have looked for jobs and work in areas and places that are dog friendly. And I think that's great. But it's been a while now, if you haven't been back at work in a while. So now you're taking your dog back in. How about the social graces? Do they need to relearn them? Are, going, are they going to be wild now because they have not had this opportunity to go out and to go to someplace new? It's like when things started opening up and you could take your dog back to the dog park and it's no ho-hum anymore. I'm going back to the dog park. No, they are running around like crazy. They're so excited. It's such a nice and fun thing for them. So now that they get to go back to work with you, you have to keep things in mind as far as how to help them behave, things to bring along, to keep them quiet, their favorite bed, their food. Uh, once again, something like a dog TV, or what happens if you have to leave them at home? And now we're redealing with um, problems with uh, separation anxiety. They were with you all the time. I mean, it's probably true that you were bugging your dogs to a point that they, they're kind of happy maybe that you're, you are going back to work, but you know, a little, but it's going to, the reality is going to set in pretty quickly. And, uh, and we're going to see that it's not the, uh, the case. They, they might need a little rework when it comes to keeping them cool, calm, and collected. And um, one another thing that I've been seeing a lot of, and I, I don't know if I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, there is, and this is a, a great advertisement for getting your dogs spayed or neutered. Well, in this case, spayed. 
and that is something called pyometra. Pyometra is a uterine infection, and it usually happens after a season, after a heat cycle. We see it more in older dogs, of course, but it can happen in younger dogs. And I keep saying dogs and dogs because it typically is seen in dogs. However, a couple of weeks ago, this cat comes in and it was in miserable, miserable shape. I mean, it was literally, it stopped eating. It was sick. The belly was huge. I mean, absolutely huge. So of course, I'm, I'm, the first thing we're thinking about is not pyometra. So, you know, get the, uh, we do the blood work. Blood work is actually okay. Uh, he was getting sick though, a little dehydrated. Um, his kidney values were going up. He was an older cat, seven, eight, nine years old. And um, the ultrasound just shows a huge wad of fluid, but in case. And it said, I said, oh my God, this cat's not spayed. This cat, this is pyometra. So the cat weighed eight and a half pounds and it used to be a much bigger cat, but eight and a half pounds was, is still not bad. So cut him open. Sure enough, this uterus was huge and heavy and filled with pus. That's what it is. And you either can have it open or closed. The open ones at least are draining. You at least have a clue that there's a major infection going on. But the closed ones, they're not. So that pus is growing and filling up and their white cells are getting sick. Um, because I've seen you know dogs, instead of a normal high white cell count of 17 plus thousand, they're 75,000. I mean, humongous infection. So anyway, we do the surgery, we go ahead and remove this, this very large, sick looking uterus, pyometra full of pus. And uh, anyway, the good news is the cat did very, very well post-surgically, but after surgery, this cat weighed four and a half pounds. This was a four pound uterus. And uh, I mean, that is totally insane. It was like a, a tumor I took off of a dog a couple of weeks ago, it was a splenic tumor, which interestingly, Interesting, it was five pounds. The dog itself was a kind of a small dog, but it was really ugly. And I, and I told the owners that I, I fear that this uh, spleen, it's gonna be what's called hemangiosarcoma. There are three kind of conditions that we see where spleens get very large, tumorous. One, and the most common is hemangiosarcoma. It's a cancer, you wanna get it early, but it, it, by the time it happens and you see it on the spleen, it's there. I mean, it's gonna spread. How much time you have, who knows, anywhere from a low of three to six months to a high of maybe you know 13 to 16 months. The next is called hemangioma. Hemangioma, as opposed to hemangiosarcoma, is a benign tumor. It doesn't look as aggressive. It is not usually, it's not aggressive. And removing the spleen with the hemangioma is curative. Great. Then the last one is called a splenic hematoma. This one doesn't really look like a tumor. It's not growing on top of or from the spleen, what it's doing is you see a big bulge in the spleen and it's like a tremendous blood blister. Sometimes they get ugly. The problem with all of these three is that if you don't get to them soon enough and they rupture, then you're, the pet's gonna bleed out. So, I mean, it, that's why there is some urgency and uh, you just have to know. And also one knows that if you're going in because the most common is the splenic hemangiosarcoma, which is the malignant one, a lot of times we'll open up the animal and we see it already spread to the liver spread to the, the kidneys, the intestines. I mean, it's all over. And the problem is uh, that if they're bleeding lesions on the liver, some of the blood in the abdomen from the tumor rupture was not just from the splenic one, but also from the others. And that's not good at all. I mean, it's actually really bad. And sometimes we put those to sleep on the table. Anyway, back to this five pound mass. So it was ugly. It was, I mean, it was, uh, I would say classic hemangiosarcoma. And I kind of, you know, told the owners that I'm very concerned, but we have to wait for the biopsy to come back. And uh, sure enough, biopsy came back Thursday, splenic hemangioma, benign tumor. It was ugly and it was huge and it was bleeding, but it was a benign tumor. 
So now, having removed the spleen and this tumor, uh, this dog is going to be uh, just fine. It, well, it's an older dog, but it's not going to die because of a splenic mass. A lot of other things can happen, but it's not going to be spleen. Anyway, at that time, I want to thank you all for joining me here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. And thank you for joining me on my Instagram Live as well. You can always get a hold of me. You know how to get a hold of me, either uh, here on Pet Life Radio. You can send any questions to that. You can uh, also get me on AirVet. You can send me emails to Dr. Jeff, drjeff at petliferadio.com. And uh, if you have any subject matter that you'd like me to cover or discuss, I always say that I always tell my audience here on Pet Life Radio, but now I'll tell my audience here on, on IG Live that if there's anything you want me to touch, something your pet's going through now that you may not really understand or you just want a second opinion, you know, usually for second opinions, you got to pay. Here, second opinions are free. So uh, take advantage of my offer to give you second opinions. All right, have a great week, everybody. We will see you next week. Mark, you can shake your head. Are we doing 4th of July uh, next week? He's, uh, the answer is we don't know. We'll see. If, if, there's, uh, if there's an interest, then let us know. We'll be happy to uh, be here 4th of July. What else am I going to do at 9 a.m. 4th of July? I'm not starting the barbecue until probably 2 or 3 o'clock. So uh, anyway, have a uh, wonderful week, and uh, we'll see you here next week. Same bad time, same bad channel here at Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff, and here on Worms underscore DVM Instagram Live. See you then. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.